Hey everyone, this is Jen Kesnick and you're listening to You Be You and I'll Be Me. And today I'm really excited to talk to Daniel Lee. He's the Director of Operations at Gravity Golf. Danny, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you, Jen. Uh, I appreciate the invite. Absolutely. So we have, we got connected through our mutual friend, Ashley, who's been awesome to me. She's been on my podcast before and she's introduced me to a few people now. So she's a great resource and friend to have. And when she told me about you, I immediately, you know, investigated and just absolutely am intrigued by Gravity Golf and all the stuff you guys are doing. And I don't even know where you want to begin. Maybe the maybe with your dad. You know, I don't know. What do you think? Sure. And Ashley's great, by the way. She's she's been awesome. I've been really happy to become acquainted with her. And yeah, she really is a special person. Yeah. Shout out, Ashley. Yeah. Shout out. <laughs> Uh, so gravity golf is essentially a martial arts style way of learning to play golf. Um, it's a, it's a holistic way of, of becoming engaged with your different aspects of awareness and how to move yourself essentially from point A to point B as efficiently as possible. So take golf out of the equation for a moment and you're just focusing on balancing out, you know, linear and rotational motion while moving over different contours. And then you start dealing with the, the aspects of the sequencing of the swing that allows all of those, those balancing mechanisms to stay in place. But it's really just about fluid motion and learning how to create dynamic balance. And my dad kind of came from the other end of the spectrum where he started off using a lot of muscle. Arnold Palmer was his idol growing up, so he started his career playing with a lot of upper body strength, um, you know, started at a really young age, played, played pretty well for a long time. He was captain of the golf team at, at university of Arkansas. He, he played on the PGA tour. Yeah. Cool. And, you know, so he, he definitely had, had a career going and. But that was very much like that old style. I mean, you look at photographs of, you know, the great golfers from 30 years ago, nobody's exactly like super fit, you know, like it didn't seem like a, uh, something that was important back then yeah, as it's it is true. now. It's true. It was, it was a different lifestyle back then. Yeah. You know, there was, there was certainly far less focus, you know, far less finances and everything like that out there as well. Um, there's, there's a book I've been reading called the match which is this this match that happened between Byron Nelson, Ben Hogan, Ken Venturi, and I'm gonna draw a blank on the other one. <laughs> um, but it's this this game that they had out at Cypress Point, and it gives a whole lot of history, you know, the last the last hundred years of the game and everything, and cool. just how much it's changed. So I was kind of it's always interesting going back and seeing those perspectives and just how hard the hustle was and how difficult it was. I mean, Trevino went over and won the British Open, you know, in his career, and he lost money. Wow. So, you know, it's, it is very different. Yeah, and so with the mentality, you know, plus just with so much more information, everyone's fingertips, everyone's becoming much more aware of how important it is just to have a holistic balance. Yeah. And, you know, so I, you know, I digress a little bit, but, so he ended up having a, an injury 
he broke a bone in his hand, which they had missed. He went in to go see the doctor like late on a Friday. And, kind of important um, for a golfer to have his hands. Yeah, and so he ended up playing with uh, with a bone that was fractured in his hand, and just taking anti-inflammatories and painkillers while he was he was going to play out there, and um, it the bone ended up dying in his hand, and he lost use of it. Oh wow! And he ended up getting full time into swing research, and he spent a lot of time with with Nicholas and Trevino and. Tom Weiskopf and all these different players that he knew had a, a, a totally ton of players. Good. I was watching one of your dad's videos and it was just naming like all the players that use the gravity golf kind of swing. Um, and it was, there's so many. The, yeah. You, we really have to start becoming aware of the different mechanics, the different laws of motion when you start playing at a higher level. And, and that's what, everyone out there is is working with is learning how to create balance and they all they all do it to a certain level um there's certain players though that are working in much more much more of a harmonious way with gravity than other players and it, it has just a lot to do with sequence creating the space that actually allows you to start falling towards your target your backswing which we we can talk more about how to actually harness the power of gravity and kinetic energy and it makes and i mean it makes sense you know it, when you think about it like why wouldn't you use gravity to your advantage certainly and and you can give so i'm going to sidestep a little bit here but so you can paint a little analogy if you imagine if you had to break down a door imagine you know it's a terrible situation you know your house is on fire you've got to break through the door uh you would never go up to that door and push your nose up against it and then start trying to break it down. (laughs) You need that momentum. You need that space to allow yourself to fall forwards using gravity and, and harness all that kinetic energy of your mass falling in that direction. And, and then, you know, you can start getting into the intentions of, you know, putting your mind on the other side of the door and, you know, a lot of things like that, which has a, has a profound effect, but we're talking about things that are, and kind of next uh, next generation type stuff. Yeah. Uh, which is great. That's where I live. I love talking about that kind of stuff. Yeah, I do too. Mind over matter kind of things. And because it is so, so, it's such a mental game. It is. And it's all about intentions, you know, being able to create the right environment that allows you to overcome situations that starts to change your instincts. Um, just like just like in yoga and you know i've i've only been a practitioner of yoga for i would say regularly for the last last three years or so Um, i started learning i actually was doing quite a bit of yoga even when i was younger around like 12 13 oh wow Um, i had met some yeah i had met some some people that they had this method called igoscu which was was all about muscular skeletal realignment so they, they watch how you walk and they can see where there's dysfunction, like a hip that's splayed open or, you know, you're... Uh, Almost you're, like a kinesiologist. Like a that's cool. Yeah, it really is. It was, it, it really is. It's, it's kinesiology and it's all, you know, based on how people are moving and how they walk. And so what they do is they prescribe you all these, these exercises in, in a very specific way, which is really 
really interesting how it comes together because essentially they're creating a, a flow series you know for each person but it's all designed to specifically strengthen the, the little structural muscles that then pull everything back into place and they always start with the feet interesting so, it, it's phenomenal stuff i have seen a lot of people in you know the last 20 years uh, since i've become aware you know since i've I've been introduced to it that people that were bedridden and you know, that just could not get out of bed, they had such bad back pain and they would put them in some of these really simple positions. Like for instance, just laying on your back with your feet at 90 degrees, you know, in a chair on, on top of a stool and flexing your feet back. Yeah. And they call that like a supine groin stretch. And so you'll do it with both legs up at 90 degrees and then you lay one down on the ground and, have one up at 90 degrees and these people that hadn't been able to get out of bed for days were just shedding their pain and you know within you know a very short period of time were back to being mobile and on a on a road to to recovery and uh, there's a lot of a lot of amazing things that, uh, that it- i've seen but I think like we're on the precipice, at least I hope we are, that people are going to be starting to become more aware of the fact that every problem, you know, you can solve within yourself. You don't have to pop pills and, you know, do things like that. Obviously, sometimes people need surgery, but there is so many ways to solve your body problems within you. One of my friends who's an osteopath, had changed his practice over. He had done over 20,000 surgeries and then switched over to doing this method and opened a practice. And he said he was able to fix over 90% of his patients that would have been cut on before. That's amazing. And he said a large part of that, that last percentage was just because those people didn't do their exercises. Right. Yeah. It's like walking past the vitamins on the counter, like just stop and take one. It doesn't take long. Yeah. Yeah. Taking, taking the time to do them. And, you know, I, we all work, you know, I think we all deal with that making time for ourselves and self-love is, is kind of something that's, you know, often tossed out of the Western culture. And I mean, just, I I guess just, um, we're dealing with a monetary society. Yeah. We go into a black hole, but you know, self-love is, is definitely something that takes place. So that, that is really necessary in the, in any kind of healing process. And, I mean, obviously sometimes there's people like once you've gone too far, you know, you've worn out all the cartilage in your knees and things like that. Yeah. But, you know, that modern science is, is wonderful for those kind of things. Um, but when you're dealing with, you know, a lot of bulging discs and things like that, where they start like fusing your spine together and things a lot of that stuff is avoidable. Right. Um, and, it's, and so much of the, you know, even wearing out the cartilage and hip joints and shoulders and things, so much of that stuff can be offset you know, by doing, you know, these kind of exercises. And that, that was my introduction because I would say probably, oh, I would say probably close to 70% of the exercises that they use are different yoga poses. Oh, cool. And so, you know, I wasn't even really aware of that until later on. I started doing like P90X yoga. Yeah. Like Tony, so that was like my introduction to like doing the first, you know, first flow that I had done. And 
Uh, that was, that was an that. intense yoga class. I remember that. It, it is. Yeah. yeah. I still go back to it. Like I'm, I'm still a big fan of it. I've, you know, that's done, cool. Yeah, I don't know how many classes I've taken on different teachers, but yeah, it's definitely. A, I think for like the typical stuff. golfer who doesn't understand that, you know, golf is such a one-sided sport and in order to not have, you know, body issues with your neck or your hips or whatever, it's so good to do yoga because you have to do both sides and just balances yeah. you out. That's a, that's a good point. I was, I was on another podcast recently, uh, for Jack podcast. And we were talking about that exact same thing. Cause it had, it had saved one of the, one of the, the, the interviewers, he was, he was saying that it, you know, saved, saved his life. And, um, and that, yeah, so, so much part of it was you know, learning just balance on both sides of his body too. Cause he had gotten really, really far out of balance. Yeah. I'm not sure of his whole story, but right. it's, uh, certainly, it's a game changer a for sure. Yeah. yeah. Balance, balance is key. Yeah. <laughs> Balance and, you know, the, having a really strong core is a, a big part of it, too, I think. You know, it just helps, I think, with every other issue you could have. If you have a, a strong core, it's golf is so much easier. Is that do you feel do you find that? Do you think that's true? Oh, certainly. And, and a lot of the drills that we do, it's all it's all based around that. So what we do and. So that that's kind of where where my dad started. So to kind of uh, slide back in, so he getting into his his research and everything else, and he was just he was kind of messing around. He had been kind of stuck for a while, and for some reason, he was talking to someone about how baseball trader baseball players stride into the ball, and so he got up there and stepped into his shot, and all of a sudden, he had his first shot that actually came off sounding like Nicholas and Trevino and all these guys that just had this compression in the ball. And it is, it's a different sound. It's a different look. The ball flies differently. And it, it kind of clicked. I mean, he grew up with a, a pathology background. My grandfather was a pathologist and there was a lot of doctors in the family. So he was aware of how much dead weight essentially weighs you know how much human arms actually weigh and that was what started this this concept of the counterfall so learning to balance out the weight that is slinging around the body and essentially the way that you would see a place kicker Mm -hmm. you know the way that they have to lean off vertical to counterbalance the way the leg or a hammer throw or leaning way back or just you know if you're playing out in the yard with your kids and you're leaning back and you're swinging swinging them around in the yard, um, which sometimes is not good for your shoulders anymore. So that's <laughs> politically correct. Yeah. But that's a good um, analogy because I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. So as you're learning to counterbalance that weight and, and how to create that balance and, and core strength becomes exceptionally important when you're learning to move over all these different contours. So I grew up, I grew up in Arkansas and we had built a, built a practice facility out there and my dad would have me go out and I'd have to hit a hundred balls in a row without putting my right foot down. <laughs> That's awesome. So he used me as a guinea pig. He yeah. would push me farther than he would push any of his other students. And, and 
what's amazing is how, you know, A, how strong your core becomes, uh, but also it has so much to do with learning to control your center of leverage. Mm-hmm. So that moves up and down in your body. So just like if you're doing a balance posture in yoga, you can feel with, you know, if your breath is high in your chest, your balance is, is compromised. Right. Once you, you know, started learning to let everything move down, you get grounded. And it's that same kind of thing. So you start working into a different physical ability through, through these different balance exercises and learning how to essentially control that center of leverage at the same time. You're inadvertently, at first, learning how to control you know, where your focus is, where your intentions are. And it starts learning, it, it starts teaching you how to, to channel your focus properly. Um, because when everything's shaking, you know, for instance, like that's, that's an extreme drill that I'm, I'm talking about. Yeah. And it, there comes to a point where every, you can feel every thought. Yeah. It becomes, you know, every little bit of energy that you're using becomes apparent. And, and even the way that you're, you're thinking is having a huge effect. So it gets to this point to where the only thing that you can possibly think about is where you're going and staying in balance and amazing things start to happen where you're just, you know, I would, I would fall into these modes where I was just ripping three irons, you know, and just landing them, you know, right on top of each other. And I just felt like I was in that space. Like yeah. I was in the headspace of just where I wanted it to land and, you know, that, that kind of gets farther. Like when I, I've talked to, uh, I was talking to one of my friends who, who shot 59 out at the course I was at in, in Florida. Amazing. Which is where they, they pe- play the, uh, the Q school every year for, for the, well now for the, for the, the corn Ferry tour and the secondary tour to the, to the PGA. Uh-huh. And which, which used to be just, you would go straight to the PGA originally, uh, but now they've got those secondary tours anyway. So he, we were talking about it and we were going through and, and he had gone out and he played previous round. He played 36 that day and he shot, I think like 72 the first round. Wow. And great. Yeah. I mean, you know, for, for the average player, great. <laughs> you know, he's for him, that was, you know, he left, you know, left a lot of shots on the course. Yeah. Um, but going out there and we were talking about the difference in the mindset and where he was at. And when we really started digging into it, essentially his mind was exactly where he wanted the ball to end up. You know, where you feel like your presence is in the place that you want to go. Right. And you start being able to, you know, it's kind of like an out-of-body experience. You just start being able to move yourself from one place to another. Similar to, you know, if you're running through the woods and you're hopping, you know, from rock to rock or, yeah. You know, something like that. It's you start being able to put yourself in that place before you want to go there. Uh, do you know who Alex Honnold is? No. So he's the the guy in the last couple of years, he climbed uh, El Capitan. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know. I, I saw that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I forgot his and name. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, he, 
in in that documentary, one of the things he's talking about is how meticulously he goes through planning out his routes and how he can feel you know, exactly where his fingers are supposed to be as he's going through that that process. Wow. And I just thought it really resonated when I was watching that because someone that's you know in a situation where there's absolutely zero room for mistakes. Yes. You know, um, that is crazy. Even though mis- even though mistakes are guaranteed to be made, um, they're so fine and they're so tiny that you just have you have to be completely in that space. That there's just no other options. You're eliminating everything else, and but you have to put yourself so solely in that in the next place that you want to go that you know exactly what it's going to feel like, and it already feels like you're there. And Nicholas used to talk about this. He said he felt like he could move the ball with his mind. You know, he just, if he focused hard enough on where he wanted to go, um, that he swear that he had made the ball break against the green and go uphill. Uh, I mean, kind of, kind of crazy things, but, and same things I've ever experienced. Every time I've gone out and, you know, really gone low in competition, all of a sudden I've got, you know, six, seven birdies and dropping an eagle and, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of on autopilot. I find myself in the situation where I'm in the place that I want to go and everything else just follows. It gives purpose to everything else that's going on. You're in the zone. Yeah, you're in the zone. Exactly. And so what, what we do and what, what my dad started tapping into early on was how to create a set and setting an environment and the right kind of intentions to start pulling these these natural instincts out of you. So, you know, this is where you can eventually get to, like what we're talking about, where you can really, you know, we're talking about the, the thing that makes someone, you can take someone who doesn't necessarily have great mechanics, but is a great athlete and has the ability to do that, mm-hmm. to move themselves from one place to another. And and be a great champion. Um, ideally, what you're looking for is someone that has the best of both worlds. Right. So in creating these kind of environments, you know, learning to play one-handed uh, on, on one foot with your feet in motion. Yeah, I just, was watching the video of you just hitting the ball after ball after ball, just one arm, just one arm, just one arm. They all went like exactly where it, it appeared where you wanted them to go. It was amazing. <laughs> I've done it a lot. <laughs> and uh, so I've been working actually a lot with the, a lot of people in the amputee community, the, the North American One-Arm Golf Association. Great. And they, yeah, they're phenomenal. And they, you would not believe how well some of them can play. I bet. Um, it's, it's truly, truly amazing. But when you, and they're forced to, to have, better mechanics mm-hmm. you know, because when you're dealing with leverage like that you have to start learning to have a partnership with gravity and all your parts and everything else so by by creating those kind of environments you know through one-handed if it's on an uphill slope trying to walk through it you know you got gravity working against you yeah you're able to start bringing those instincts to the look at bethany hamilton yeah. Yeah. Great example. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Surfing, you know, surfing with one arm and doing 
a hell of a job. Yeah, winning. It's yeah. crazy. It's uh-huh. awesome. Yeah. And so how uh, how much does like the mental part of it come into play for on your end? Like, do you teach your students like how to meditate or you know stuff like or work, breath work or anything like that? Uh, I definitely work on. I definitely do breath work. Um, I've been. I would say my, my experience with breath work and everything has been mostly tailored towards the Wim Hof method uh-huh. and uh, like Kundalini yoga. Oh, cool. And my experience with Kundalini is still, I feel like very, very much scratching the surface. Yeah. Well, that's pretty, pretty in depth. Yeah. yeah it's, it, I've definitely been to a few places you know, where, I did a, a shamanic breath workshop down in Miami once and I remember passing out in class after, oh my God. after like, after some pretty wild experiences. Um, but yeah, the, the breath work really comes into it. I, and I, I feel like I'm also just still on the forefront of a lot of that with creating, it, it just comes with creating the environment. And the thing is, when you're dealing with a lot of golfers, you know, you're, you're also in an environment where you're, you're having to work the edge. So whatever their comfortability level is, you know, from a physical level, from a mental level, you know, you're working people outside of their box normally. So, you know, finding, you know, where you can work that edge is, you know, is always, always unique, you know, with each person. Yeah. However, however, you know, it's also universal, you know, it's, I mean, you can, you can always tailor the drills towards, towards anyone. Make it more palatable for that person, that particular person. Yeah. That's the stuff that I do with my yoga for golf and I'm Reiki master and I teach breath work and meditation. And when I have a golfer, you know, I, I don't use um, like yoga terminology, I'll use golf terminology just to make them more comfortable. And it's more like, okay, I, I understand what you're saying when you say, you know, the reason why I have chicken wing is because it's like actually a lower body issue and you're overcompensating with your upper body. So let's work on that. You know, so there's definitely ways to convey to your golfers, to your students, um, really cool stuff like things that you're into like the breath work and all that stuff but not in a way that they're going to be like what what does that have to do with anything communication yeah Yeah. in a way they are listening you know so what got you into to bridging this gap and and getting into reiki and everything that was was fun too Oh, what a long, strange trip it's been. Um, years ago, my youngest is turning 22 tomorrow. Oh, and congrats. Thanks. And when she went to kindergarten, I was like, all right, now I have time to do stuff. So I went and got certified to teach yoga. And then I became like certification crazy and just like, I want to learn how to do that. I want to learn how to teach that. I want to learn how to teach that. So I just started collecting Things And then I found this yoga for golfers school in Arizona and my husband's a huge golfer. 
we play golf together now. And so I was like, well, that's probably a good thing for me to get into. I know a bunch of golfers, you know, that would be good. So I went and did that training and then I did a TPI certification. Um, and all the while still doing yoga, still interested in, you know, like meditation, still interested very much in like the Eastern side of things. And I had a Reiki treatment, um, from this woman who became a mentor and realized that, you know, it's maybe not so easy to give because I don't work with professional athletes. I work with like mostly men and women who are recreational golfers. So it's really not so easy to tell like your typical a personality golfer type to sit and meditate and breathe and visualize and do all that stuff. But for some reason, Reiki, you lay on a table, you have a, you know, you're in your golf clothes, you have like a cover over you, you close your eyes. And I just put my hands on different places um, that align with the chakras. And it's really, really calming. And it actually does what it needs to do. If you're dragging around and you're tired, Reiki can energize you. And if you are, you know, all revved up because you have a match and you're nervous, Reiki can just like tone it down. And so I like to um, incorporate all of it into a little program for the people that I work with. And it seems to work well. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. So, I, uh, so how do you... You said you, you tie it in with the chakras. Um, well, how does that how does that go exactly? Like what's what is Reiki basically? Well, I mean Reiki is about moving energy around in the body, right? Yeah. So, so I mean, that makes sense that you would tie it in with the chakras. I guess I've just never heard someone say that specifically. Yeah, I, I and I say chakras just because that's typically what people can envision. Um, you know, we all have meridians of energy that flow through our bodies. And because of life, sometimes they get, you know, like kinked, rerouted, blocked, whatever. And so Reiki just kind of, and I always use this analogy because people understand when we go to like a science museum and they have that big globe of electric light and you put your hand on it and all the electricity goes to where your hand is. That's kind of like what Reiki does when you put your hands on specific like top of the head, back of the head, heart, solar plexus, stomach, hips, bottom of the feet, turn over, do it all down the back too. Um, it just kind of makes your energy. So I'm not like giving you anything or taking anything from, it's just sort of making the energy that is already within you flow as it should. And I use the chakra terminology just because like you can envision a spinning chakra and how it's like maybe spinning in the wrong direction and you can fix that. And I tell people all the time, like you, you instinctually people do Reiki for themselves all the time. Like when you hear, you know, like bad news, you put your hand over your forehead or over your heart, you know, when you're nervous, you feel it in your stomach, you feel butterflies. When you have something difficult to say, you feel a lump in your throat. Like these are all kind of places that Reiki goes to and, reroutes the energy that's there and that's, that's it uh, it's that's pretty really, cool when you come really up I'll, gi- I'll give you reiki i, I look forward to it <laughs> okay that, that sounds awesome let's see and so what is the 
typical um, program that you guys do? Is it for a day, a week, or you do all kinds of different ones? We do. We have all kinds of different programs. Personally, I teach a lot of three-day schools, so I'll travel into different locations. Like up in New York, I'll, I'll be doing a three-day school the uh, first, second, third of May. Awesome. And at Chelsea Pier? Uh, no, actually up in Carmel uh, at a course called Centennial. Oh, great. It's about, yeah, it's about like an hour, hour uh, a little over an hour outside of the city. And uh, yeah, it's beautiful up there. It's a uh, big rolling hills and just a lot of different great places to work on, on dynamic balance. And, and it's, you know, it is a, is a fairly, it's a transformative kind of program. It's very in depth. Um, so it's, you know, it's something I, I grew up around. I've been teaching that format for a long time. However, we do have, we have a lot of other programs that are, you know, have a, have a wide, wide array. And, and some of the things we're, you know, starting to put together a yoga and golf, yoga and golf days and schools and things like that. So cool. We have a instructor certification program that we've just finished up and oh, that awesome. opens up, that opens up at, at different parts of the certification. It opens up a lot of these different programs we have. Uh, some of them are, are much more specialized. For instance, we have an eight month program that's for helping juniors get college scholarships. So they come out twice a week in groups of eight for 90 minute lessons. They get access to the course. They can play and practice in the afternoons. That's amazing. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of stuff that's connected to it. So thanks. And and then we just finished our, our gravity golf challenge. So we have an online course that you can take that takes you step-by-step through the through the gravity golf system and each of the drills are laid out in a progressive way so that you are working that edge as you're going through. So they become, you know, increasingly more challenging, but they're also, they've been laid out in a, in a very specific way to help create that awareness in these different, different aspects of the game and allow you to feel that they're all working together through the same through the same process that you're using the same gravity, the same sequence, everything is, is moving the same way. It's just you know, subtle changes that, that you encounter that have, have tiny little differences, but the, the swing itself is, is the same regardless if it's, if it's a drive or, or a small putt, it's just learning how to make those adaptations. But as far as learning to harness gravity and, how you go about doing that is you know, that's that's all it's all just the natural laws of motion yeah yeah well because it looks like a very fluid swing it is yeah that's the whole idea is you're you know if you look at someone like freddie couples you know louis Ustazen or um, you know Annika had a had a beautiful swing and there's i mean there's just i mean there's a ton of players out there you can just see it when they're using less less effort yeah. that it's, you know, it's apparent that they're getting a lot more efficient movement into it. So and it's not like you, it's just one fluid motion. You're not like accelerating at the bottom into or anything like that. It happens naturally. So what most people do is they, 
essentially they'll they'll take their center mass and they put it right up next to the ball. So what they'll do is they'll go up, they take their club, put the club right up next to the ball, and they don't realize it, but they're taking their center of mass and putting it right in the same spot. So now what they've essentially done is put their nose up against the door and trying to push the door down. Right. So, and this is really important when you're first, when you're first learning how to utilize it and you're having to to start from a place of, you know, where your sensitivity may may have yet, you know, still have a long ways to develop, you need more space to be able to actually feel yourself creating momentum in that direction, following in that direction. So an exercise you can do is keep, keep the club in the exact same spot uh, that you would normally ground it out, say if that's in the middle of your stance, and then put the ball out to the left of your toe, of your left foot, if you're a right-handed player. And so now you've got a big gap of space between where the club is and where the ball is. And now what you can do is once you get it to the top of the swing, which we do that a little differently, we we heave it up. So you're unweighting the weight of the arms and the club. You're breaking gravity out of it, so to speak. But once you get to the top of your swing, you want to feel that in your backswing that you actually start moving towards your target. Uh-huh. And that use so that you, that kinematic sequence, like kind of the Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So your body starts falling that way, and what you'll notice is as you start falling that way and your weight moves into the front foot, you actually have even more room to rotate than you would have with your weight on your back foot. So you're you're getting the momentum moving you towards your target, you're getting more room to rotate. And then if you allow your shoulders to drop, because that's where the connection from, from your body to your arms is, you allow those shoulders to drop while you're still finishing the backswing. Now, all that's left to do is to rotate through and you have all of that, all of that energy in motion and it just creates a very, very fluid swing. And, and you're really, if you're, if you're, you're like torqued up like that and release, mm-hmm. you just automatically, it doesn't, you don't have to think about accelerating to the ball. You just, is like whew, all part of it. Yeah. It's just a balancing mechanism. Yeah. So, you know, it all starts from, and that's, you know, that's where it starts at the beginning of the swing as well as once you're dialed into where you want to go, just like if you're going to toss a ball to a friend, you, you feel it, you calculate you know, where you want to go. And that determines how, how you set it into motion, how far you throw your arm back. Um, yeah. And then that's what know, my husband told me. To. He's like, pretend you're going to toss the ball into like when I'm, <laughs> when I'm putting, like pretend you're going to toss mm-hmm. the ball to the hole. That's the same kind of way you want to yeah. hit the club. Yeah. It's all about moving yourself in that direction. And then everything else is is soft. So when you have a moving force, you know, your body's already in motion, you know, that becomes the power source. Most people, so what happens a lot of time, you know, people, they have that ball too far back in their stance most of the time or their weight, you know, is right up next to it. And they can sense there's no space to move. So first off, you get people, they want to sway off the ball to try and create that space. Yeah. Stepping away from the door, so to speak. Um then 
you know, what you'll get is, you know, you get the, the next level is they go, okay, well, I know I don't want to sway. That's not good because I'm going in the opposite direction. But then there's still no room to move. So what they do is they try and hunt down at it with the arms. Yep. And they that's that old idiom, you know, hit down on the ball, which is, is completely is horrible for the body. Yeah. And you're internalizing so much energy. Um, you, you know, you can tear up your knees, your hips, your back, your sh- you know, everything just because you're having to internalize so much energy. And then what you're having to do is essentially push yourself out of the way because you have all this force coming down and pulling you forwards towards your toes, you know, causing that over the top movement. And you're having to try and, you know, push yourself back, push your hips back. You know, Tiger used to do it where he would snap that knee back. Yeah. And and in an effort to, to offset everything that's pulling you forwards and get your hips cleared. Because you watch every every good player and and when you see them at the point of impact, you can see their you can see their entire backside. Yeah, it's like and, hip hips to the target. Exactly. So, you know, in order to do that though, you have to be able to offset everything that's pulling you forwards. And that's what this comes back to. It's not that this is the only way to do it. It's just looking for the most efficient way to, you know, create power, which without you without having any injury either. Yeah, I mean, I had a guy who was eighty-five from CV in California a few weeks ago, and did phenomenal. And you know, normally after you know thirty minutes of practice, you know, he says his you know his back is killing him, and we were out there for for two and a half three hours, and he felt great. Oh, that's you know, he, amazing. He called me up the next day and he's like, no pain, you know, uh, and I, and I hear that all the time, you know, people, they're able to go out and I mean, they come to the three day schools and I get a lot of people that are, you know, up in their years and they're amazed that they can go out and hit as many shots as they can. It is amazing because it's, it's tiring when you're, when you're not using gravity and you're fighting almost like against yourself. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, I'm exhausted. I just beat myself up all over the course. <laughs> yeah, you don't, you don't need to be taking kidney punches when you go to the course. <laughs> yeah, so well, that's, and that time. must be great really... for uh, people who are playing in tournaments that like days at a time too. Yeah, definitely. You know, when you're, you're looking at longevity, uh, you know, going through tournaments and, you know, everything that they go through, uh, it makes, you know, it makes a big difference. You know, when you get into the end of the day and, um, you know, it's your third or fourth day and you've, you got to keep it together going down, you know, going down the stretch. Do you want to be in as efficient mindset and physical places as you can be? So, you know, and that's why you, you know, Nicholas was, was a great example of, of, a, of a gravity player. Uh, Unflappable. You know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he did, you know, he was, I'm not going to say he was perfect, but he did a lot of really, really good things. And, and he knew how to transfer that weight. That's one thing that you'll see. You can tell there's a big difference between people that transfer their weight to their back foot in the backswing and then try to transfer their weight to the front foot in the downswing. Yeah. Versus someone that is able to transfer their weight to the back and towards the front while in the backswing. That's cool. And did Nicholas, was Nicholas the one that said, I can tell 
as soon as I start to pull my club back, like how the shot's going to go. Was that yeah, the first the foot of his backswing. Yeah, yeah. So he could feel if he was hitting a good shot in the first foot. Yeah. And that's, that's the heat. You know, when you're setting it into motion, uh, a great way to work on that is get yourself on an uphill slope, uh, especially with a long iron. So if you, you know, I'll go out there with a three iron and get on steep uphill slopes and just see if I can walk through my shots. Ah. You know, but, but, you know, pace yourself into it. Grab a, you know, grab a seven iron or an eight iron or something and just see if you can clip the turf and walk forwards and what you'll notice immediately the first thing you'll notice is how you have to set it in motion in order to keep yourself from having the hill push you push you backwards okay so it has to be really concise to allow yourself to essentially stay in balance and get yourself moving you know towards your target uh, that that heave has to be spot on and and yeah, it'll teach you. And that's that's the whole point. The breaking all of this back down, it comes to being able to create an environment in which you can thrive. Right. And you know, that's it. Changing changing the way that your perspective is looking at the swing and where you want to go and how to accomplish that. And it has to be done on a subconscious level as well. So creating these kind of environments, they change your natural instincts. The things that you may never have made those changes, you know, until you until you find yourself in a situation where it's it's a, a necessity. Yeah, it's really interesting, and it's it's like common sense. It just makes sense to me. I, I'm I'm a very common like. I, if it doesn't make sense, you shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. You know, you've, you've really got to get back to the fundamentals, uh, just just the basics. This is all just basic, basic concepts of motion. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's the same regardless of what sport you're playing. You're dealing with these same things when you learn to walk, you know, and, and when you move around every day, you know, every time you take a step, you've you go through a process that you've gotten so good at that it happens totally subconsciously with a simple intention i want to go there okay yeah how important it is that i get there okay is there anything in my way all right now that determines how far i'm going to let myself fall in that direction and then i've learned how to balance out my body so that i can do that and you know you can do that while texting someone or doing Everything else, yeah. that whole process just happens. Without even with, thinking about it. Yeah, exactly. And, and so that's, you know, that's what you're striving to is learning how to go through, learning how to set that process and that intention in a way that it just becomes that subconscious, that you trust it that much. And it's, you know, you can let go of all the analytical aspects of your swing, uh, you know, all of, and that's, again, why that environment creating that set and setting is so important because even though you become consciously aware of these things at first as they're changing, you, you go past that. Right. So like in your evolution, you get to the point, you know, you, you keep working yourself into it to where everything starts to disappear except for, you know, where your intention goes. And it's certainly a much happier way to live when you're a golfer and you don't walk around frustrated. 
Definitely. There's a, and I, I had that experience like growing up, like I felt like I had a lot of pressure on me growing up and, um, you know, unfortunately I didn't have a lot of friends that played, like we kind of moved way out into the country and no one played golf out there. Yeah. We had, uh, you know, we, we had people, you know, traveling in to come see us all the time, but you know, as far as just growing up and, you know, having much of a, you know, a group of kids my own age and everything, I, I didn't really have much of that. And so everything for me was results-based. Right. You know, if I wasn't going out there and I wasn't shooting the scores, I wasn't happy. Yeah. And it really, it really took a toll on me for a while. And then I started becoming aware of how, when I would go out, if my mind was in a different place for, for some reason I went out one day and I was just standing in the, I felt like I was standing in the fairway and I could see myself teeing off and just watch the ball land at my feet. And I was, I think I was about like 15 at the time and I had been struggling with shooting kind of like mid seventies to like mid eighties. Um, I went out that day and shot a 66. Wow. And it just, I just kind of fell into that place where all of a sudden I was in the place that I wanted to go. And I was just watching myself get shots to myself. And it kind of, it led me into this different, this, this place that I, I started learning how to meditate without even knowing anything about meditation. Yeah. That's a moving meditation right there. It, and it, it was amazing how it just took away all my angst, regardless, even if I missed a shot, if I was able to get into that, just, just by focusing on that, just putting myself into that place, it somehow it took away all the judgment and it just allowed me to play in a, in a totally different headspace and to a, a much higher level. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, it's really amazing when, you start doing that. So now I've kind of developed my own, my own technique for that, which is, is, you know, it's pretty personal. It's you're kind of piercing the veil on the golf course. Yeah. Right? And, you know, so I have to find a way to disassociate myself from the story, you know, that I'm telling myself a lot of time on the golf course. So finding a, finding something just to take my intention or take my focus. If it's, you know, a leaf or an animal or something, you know, whatever it is, but just being able to dial into it and start finding those tiny little details, all of a sudden I find that I'm looking at something that I have no judgment about. Like, I don't have any intentions for this leaf or whatever it is I'm looking at. I'm just observing it. And then after a while, like I start feeling my breath patterns change. I feel the tension in my body change. And I just feel like all my senses start aligning at the same time. My vision starts changing. Uh, the way that I'm looking at something, I just start being able to see all these tiny little details that I didn't see at first. Um, kind of like that uncarved block. That was, yeah. you know, all of a sudden you just find yourself in a space. And then when I'm in that space, I go back to my shot and, it's different, you know, now I'm, I, I, I my vision is literally different. I go back and I, I'm looking at where I want to go and I feel different about it. And I'm, I'm just looking at it and observing it. And it gives me all the feedback that I need to, 
to set it into motion at the right pace and to you know, feel how to move over the contour and and yeah, all that all that fear and anxiety and temperament and all those kind of things they just you know dissolve and you know you start working in harmony with with gravity. Hey, it's a great philosophy for life, let alone golf. You know, if you can just walk around like that all the time, that's the goal. Right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, thank you so much. Uh, this has been really cool. I love talking to you. And now where can people find you? Gravitygolf.com. Um, we have we have everything on there. We have uh, our, our new membership that went up so you can gain access to everything that we have online, all of our new programs, we spent 10 and a half months filming the, the gravity golf challenge. You get all of that for 20 bucks a month. That's amazing. What a good deal. But no, yeah, thank you very much. We wanted to make it accessible, um, you know, as, as much as possible. Yeah. And you have a ton of content on YouTube too. We do. Yeah. Everyone, you can go to YouTube and I started putting stuff out there probably about 10 years ago and and so we have stuff on there and Instagram and, and Facebook. And so you can get, you can really dive in. We also have a free video page on the website that's got about, uh, about 36 different, different lessons on there. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of ways to dive into it. Yeah, it's cool. Well, I'm so glad that Ashley connected us because I love talking to you and I'm now totally fascinated with gravity golf and I want to go out and play right now. <laughs> <laughs> do it, do it. And yeah. Thank you. I'm, I'm really interested to, to keep learning more. And it sounds like you've got a really, really well-rounded background and. Yeah. We'll keep these, in, we'll keep different. in touch. Cause that would be fun to do a crossover someday. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so too. All right. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, you can go to iTunes and rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Um, So check out Daniel Lee, Gravity Golf. And thanks so much for listening. Peace.